Hi, and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. I have the pleasure of introducing Susie. She oversees our women's ministry. She's a biblical counselor and has a love for theology. And I'm Sandy. I teach here at Harvest Bible Church and lead worship as well. We both have a passion to bring gospel reform to womanhood and to all of life. Well, we just finished our two-part series on forgiveness, and interestingly, the Leadership Now podcast with Pastor Aaron and Pastor Chris just wrapped up their series on the seven deadly sins. And the last episode that was released to us yesterday was on the deadly sin of wrath, and they dove pretty deep into forgiveness as well. So I'd recommend our listeners check out that episode as it did line up really well with what we had covered as well. We've taken a break from our Proverbs series over the summer, and today we get to return. We're going to look at Proverbs 31, verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. There's a lot to look at in this one verse, and there's so many ways we can apply it to our lives. And actually, I think this is a good one to look at as we kick back into our regular ministry schedule. Susie, with you teaching our Bible studies, And with me getting ready for a new group of students at the school, how can we use our words, wisdom, and kindness? Uh, The Cambridge definition of wisdom is the ability to use your knowledge and experience to make good decisions and judgments. And I think we should actually go to the first chapter of Proverbs to help us gain a better understanding of what wisdom is so we know how to speak it. And Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2 to 7, it says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Susie, you lead a small discipleship group for young women, and your husband Aaron leads a group for young men. Um, How would you disciple a younger woman to apply this verse about speaking and growing in wisdom? Yeah, good question. I think it all starts with the last part there where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so there's two things here. First of all, we recognize that wisdom comes from knowing the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so to have true wisdom, we have to actually first have a relationship with him. And, uh, because the Spirit of God then indwells us and helps us to to know the Lord, to, to understand His Word, and then to also apply it. And wisdom includes all of that. So it starts with having a relationship with the Lord. And then we can have the confidence that He will increasingly give that to us. And so in order to increase in our wisdom, we have to be women of prayer, meaning that we are depending on God and that we're realigning our thinking with Him. We are regularly confessing our sins and not storing up bitterness and hatred and anger in our hearts because all those things will expose evil rather than wisdom and righteousness. Uh, I also thought about um, Proverbs 40 
verses 20 to 27, where we are instructed to guard our hearts. And it says in these verses, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And I think this is so, there's so much wisdom in this small passage of scripture. And uh, one of the main things is to to keep your eyes on the Lord and to guard your heart. Mm -hmm. You see, I think many times we think we can hide and cover up what's going on in our hearts. And nobody will know that we are angry, that we are seething, that we're filled with stinking thinking and evil thoughts because nobody can actually see them. But sooner or later, they come out. And uh, if we look through to the New Testament in Luke 6, verses 43 to 45, we see exactly that being um, taught. It says, For now, or for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And that is exactly true, right? Like sooner or later, our words are going to expose what is going on in our heart. And it's interesting because just before that small passage of scripture, Jesus is calling out hypocrisy and uh, encouraging us to take the log out of our own eye first before we go and confront other people. And uh, so really, sometimes we think, we can act like we are good people, like we've got it all together and we're holy and righteous. But deep down, our hearts are filled with hatred and anger and all sorts of evil intents. We're being hypocrites. And sooner or later, it's going to come out. We're going to be exposed. So uh, the reality is, let's not continue to be hypocrites thinking, well, one more day I can pretend. No, let's deal with, with what's going on in our hearts. It was interesting. I did have uh, about almost five years, I think it was, when I was working in a nursing home. And it was an interesting experience because I really hadn't had a lot of experience working with elderly people or people with dementia. I, I just didn't know people like that. And when I started working there, I was quite surprised at how people act and behave when their minds are beginning to deteriorate. And let's just be honest here, like when people's minds are deteriorating, that is a physical effect. They have no control over that and it's not their fault. But in their exposing of words that they say and um attitudes that they express, I couldn't help but think that maybe now that their minds weren't working quite as sharply, now that now we're really seeing what's going on in their heart and they're they're expressing some of their fears that maybe they never dealt with. They're expressing some of the hardness of heart that they never dealt with. 
and they now have no control because their mind and body aren't strong enough to control it. And it, it, it kind of, you know, uh, reminded me, I better deal with what's going on in my heart because for the most part, I can live well and, and, you know, I, I have great relationships and I worship the Lord and I love the Lord. But there's stuff in my heart that if my mind suddenly deteriorated, I wouldn't want it exposed, right? right? Yeah. And so my encouragement is deal with it now, right? And sometimes that means, as we talked about in our forgiveness episodes, going and talking to the person that has offended you. Um, if that's not possible, talk to the Lord about it or a mature mm-hmm. Christian. And I think one thing that we also need to get back to is prayer journaling. I know I've done it occasionally and in the past I did it more I think it's actually very very beneficial because as we do that first of all God invites us to come to him and to lament to him when there's stuff going on in our heart Uh, we we shouldn't be angry at God but we can lament to God because he is a good and holy and just God and he is our heavenly father who loves us and he invites us to express our thoughts to him our feelings our hurts our pains our our worries all of that, and we see that very clearly in the Psalms, how people uh, are lamenting to God about all the things that are happening in their life. And so I think that's actually a good practice. I think we should do more of that. And uh, actually, in our friendship podcast, one of our listeners had sent me a message. And one of the things that she says she does is she goes to God first, that when she goes and talks to a friend, she's in a better place mm-hmm. to talk to them. And I thought, wow, that's such wisdom because sometimes our, in the heat of the moment we we have so much anger or hurt and we we might say things that are very hurtful and wrong but if we can process them with a holy god first and have his love and his grace and his wisdom poured out to us we're better prepared to go and talk to our friends and uh, ad- either just share with them what's going on or if they need to be addressed, then we can address the issues that are going on. But let's go to God first. And so I, I just encourage all of us maybe to consider that. Maybe maybe prayer journaling is something that we all need to uh, take up and be a little more active in so that we can truly express what's going on, but then be shaped and transformed by our Heavenly Father who loves us and has all the right things to say. And and then, yes, one more thing I just wanted to mention as well is we need to be reading the actual word of God. I think with all the podcasts that are out there, and we're one of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or the social media influencers that are super popular, and we can access so many Christian-type words of encouragement that sometimes we think we've had enough by listening to other people's opinions But let's never replace that with the actual word of God or just reading good books. Let's not forget to read the word of God. The word of God is what will fill our minds and our hearts with truth and which will help us then to live in wisdom. Mm, Excellent. Get right to the heart right away. It changes our perspective as Mm -hmm. well. Um, I think, you know, there's a saying that goes behind every great man is a great woman. And I think there is some truth to that. So um, just thinking to the past few years, I I had the privilege of meeting many of the pastor's wives of the faithful churches last year at the Church at War conference. And 
These were the men that refused to bow to the state, to close their doors, some of them at great personal cost. And what I noticed and, and what I saw with you and Aaron is that these men of courage and conviction had wives who were of strong character. Um, they chose to use wisdom in their words and actions in order to build up their husbands and not tear them down. And when these men speak publicly of their wives, it is with such high regard. Um, Susie, could you share how you personally used your speech to respond to your husband as he was deciding to defy the government uh, when he was under intense scrutiny by media and having arrows thrown at him? Do you have any lessons that you learned that you would be willing to share with us? Yeah, it was a very hard time. We were in a battle, right? And I think the most important thing was that we were very much aligned. We were on mission together and he knew I was 100% supportive of him mm. fighting this. I think it would have made it harder, even though he's an extremely strong man, if I would have um, had doubts and fears mm -hmm. and thought, well, what about the money? And what if we lose our house? And yeah. what if you go to jail? And those fears were not there. Praise the Lord. Praise he, he gave me strength for that. And even the idea of going to jail, I kind of laugh at myself. I did not have fear about that. Now, certainly I know that if he would have actually gone to jail, I would have been sad and I would have missed him. And, and that would have been a hard time. But I think the Lord actually has given me confidence about that. And he, I had no fear about that concept of going, him going to jail. And I think it's because I loved the jail. I uh, have a jail <laughs> ministry, our church does. And so women in our church every Friday go into the Southwest Detention Center and do a Bible study. And so I'm very comfortable in jail. Mm -hmm. It's it's like a second home to me. I have many great memories of God's presence and power being displayed mm. in jail. And so <laughs> I wasn't afraid new, of that part. It would be a new men's ministry. It would be, exactly. <laughs> and I know Aaron would have uh, done a great job mm -hmm. at ministering to all the men there. And who knows what would have happened. There would have been a radical movement, I think, happening there. So uh, all that to say, I'm glad he didn't end mm -hmm. up going to jail, but that was not one of my fears. And I think that helped. Um, at the same time, I will say he was very instrumental in shaping my views as he was in shaping the views of our church. Uh, he helped me to stay reasonable in my approach. And uh, most importantly, just reminding myself in our church that our most important battle was the sovereignty of God. It was not primarily a battle about lockdowns or masks or vaccines. Those are all secondary issues. And so I'm so thankful to him for having that very clearly um, uh, thought out in his own mind so that he could help all of us to remember that because that is key. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, I would say it was a very hard time for us he was at war and I don't even think I would have necessarily been able to put this to words at the time. But as I look back, I, I kind of felt like a war bride mm -hmm. where my husband was off in the battle and I had to release him. And it's hard to explain. It might sound kind of weird because he was in the same house and we were still together. He wasn't in another country fighting a war, but he, he was very much on the battlefield fighting for our country. And uh, I was very much alone and it was a hard time. But at the same time, my respect for him grew tremendously 
and I saw in a fresh way how his bold and strong personality was so essential for our country, for our church, for our family. He is a man of strong conviction, and I was just so proud of him. I was so thankful to be married to him. I was so thankful to be a congregant in his church because I saw how so many men didn't have that. And I I was just very proud of him. I felt very loved by him for fighting for us. And at the same time, I don't think at the time I fully understood the strain that it was on his inner self because he was strong and he was fighting. And um, I think if I would have maybe understood the inner battle a little bit more, I, I could have prayed more specifically for that. And so my encouragement to women is if you don't know what to say to your husband in a time of trial, maybe he's not fully communicating all his inner worries or fears to you or maybe you're so consumed because you're in the battle yourself that you are more consumed with your own um, emotional state than you are with his Uh, just remind yourself that you don't always have to have the right words to say but you can be praying for him and pray for his inner being I think I've talked about Ephesians three fourteen to twenty one again, but that's a or before, but that's such a, a beautiful prayer that we can pray for people when we don't know what to say to them. We don't even necessarily know exactly what to pray, but it's a, a beautiful prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. And so I think it's a good model for us to pray as well. So that would be my encouragement. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I know so many people have been blessed by by you and Pastor Aaron's um, commitment to staying on mission for God mm. and um, the elders and their wives as well. So um, the fruit that we've seen so far has just been so abundant, mm. the, the lives saved and um, souls saved, really. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Susie. You're welcome. How, how else can wives and maybe specifically mothers help to build up the men in their lives? So I'll just continue to say we need to be praying for them. Probably we need to pray for them more than we need to be telling them what to do. <laughs> Good and advice. it's kind of funny because I don't think of myself as a very controlling person or um, someone that has to always be involved in every detail. But every once in a while, I myself catch myself trying to control certain situations and, and I have to really, you know shut my mouth so I don't say the wrong thing because I I have lots of opinions and thoughts about things and sometimes I think I know best but we have to learn to just stay quiet and to Mm. pray more not that we can ever speak certainly uh, God has given us wisdom and insight and we should use that wisely but let's be careful that we are using our words to build up the men in our life. They need us to affirm their manhood. And let's do that. Let's encourage them. And that starts even from a young age for our boys. Um, Probably just before they're starting to hit puberty, uh, they're going to start being more sensitive about things. And we need to affirm them. And as women, we need to be careful not to speak condescendingly to them. And this often comes from a heart of concern. But when we start 
getting too involved in their lives and telling them too much and controlling, especially once they become young men mm-hmm. or maybe even our husbands, um, it very clearly starts looking to, or very quickly starts looking to them like we don't trust them. They very quickly start feeling like we're shaming them or disrespecting them. Uh, I think many times it's it's a heart of passion and we're just trying to tell them what to do and what we think is right and what we think is best and um, this is the way we would do it. But let's catch ourselves and just maybe even listen to the tone of our voice and what we're saying and step back because I know how many times young men in particular will feel like we are being condescending rather than helpful. Mm. So we have to be very, very careful and to realize that not every opinion needs to be put into words. And I think that that's very important. As women, we can be very opinionated, right? <laughs> and some of that comes because we're passionate and we 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 love things and we have emotional uh, connections to things and, and we want what's best. And, and, and yet, sometimes our opinions are just not helpful. Mm-hmm. So let's just learn mm-hmm. to to be quiet a little bit more. And especially many women who who are very talkative, right? Like we can talk from the time that we get up in the morning till the time <laughs> that we go to bed. And that can be overwhelming. Um, and so I'm not saying completely change your personality, just go into yourself and never talk. But use your words to build up, not mm-hmm. to tear down, to affirm, not to just judge them. And and then once again, when it comes to our sons, I actually think that we need to uh, be more willing to step back and encourage our husbands to take the lead. And I know many women struggle partly because they have a lot to say and they think they know best, but sometimes it's also because their husbands are passive and their husbands might not know how to lead or to be involved. And so I encourage you to not be too quick to come down on too hard on your husband but pray for him pray that he will take ownership that he will get connected with other men who do that well and I know our men's ministry here at our church is very intentional in building up men to be leaders of their home not in a um, authoritarian over demanding angry kind of a way but in a loving and gentle way to lead their homes to lead their wives to lead their children to be invested in their homes and and so um don't don't feel like you're alone many men struggle with this many wives struggle with knowing how to put this into action um but be patient and pray and trust that god is at work and I think we want to make sure that we aren't too involved because there's many, many moms that are are wonderful, godly women, but they have a tendency to baby their boys and to make them more feminine because they're raising their boys like they would want to be raised and they're being too... Um, too, too gentle with them and uh, too much on the kindness and gentleness and niceness side rather than men who help their boys to become tender warriors, right? Mm. Who are both tender and gentle, but know how to be strong men of conviction and take the bullet if necessary, right? As women, we have a hard time teaching that to our, our boys. And so I think 
very much encourage the men, pray for the men to to rise up and, and take this role. Because we want our sons, yes, we want them to be gentlemen, but we do not want them to be weak. Uh, they need their dads to model this. And so especially in those those years where they're, you know, just before they're becoming teenagers, step out of the way. Like, please, please do that. It doesn't mean you're not involved. You, you, They still need you to be loving and nurturing, but don't be overbearing in that. Let the men get involved. Let the dads get involved. Uh, this is so, so important. We have a generation of men who are weak and soft and feminine, and it's largely because us as women have tried to dominate and in push them down and tell men that they have to be like us. No, they don't. God made men to be warriors and to be fighters and protectors and providers. Let's encourage them to do that. Let's affirm our boys to do that and um, very much be praying for our our men. And I just wanted to make a comment because I do know that um, there are single moms that might be listening to this podcast and maybe at this point now you feel super defeated because what are you going to do? And um, so I just encourage you to do your best to connect them to the youth ministry in your church. And if there isn't a good youth ministry, get them connected to a good youth ministry where there are strong men that can be models and influencers to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe there's also women in here that who who are married to an unbelieving man, and so the unbelieving man doesn't have the capacity to teach her children, her boys, to be godly men. Once again, get them connected to a youth ministry uh, that has men that are able to lead them and influence them. Have them there every single week. Don't make excuses for them. Don't let sports become more important. Nothing is more important than and than getting men into their lives that can speak godly wisdom, be godly mentors and and examples to them. Um, So yes, the reality is if you're a single mom, if you're a mom who's married to a man who's an unbeliever, there is an extra challenge, but you are not without hope. You are not left alone. You still have your heavenly father. You have your church. And so um, trust in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we're we're not raising boys, we are raising men. Yes, good. Good point. Yeah. Oh, I have a, a quick funny story. So when one of my boys started youth ministry, um and I think I think boys they do need the the older men as mentors. Um but when he started youth ministry one night he um it was dinner time and he said he said to me, he goes, Mom, sometimes when I'm thinking about doing something I know I shouldn't do. (laughs) I hear, I hear my youth minister's voice in my head telling me that I shouldn't do that. And uh, it just made me laugh that the Holy Spirit sounds like one of the pastors. I love that, right? (laughs) And it's just a reminder for all of us how important it is to connect our kids to the church and to the youth ministries and that never negates our role as as parents and Mm -hmm. i know that you too have a a godly husband he's very invested in his kids lives right it's very evident um but it's so valuable to have others as well and sometimes it's just them affirming what we've already taught them but it's sometimes more influential coming Mm -hmm. from their youth pastor because if it's just mom or just dad, oh, that's just the way they are. They're, you know, they've heard it a hundred times, but oh, the youth pastor, the youth director, youth leaders saying the same thing. Oh, maybe I should listen. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. 
All right. So the second part of our verse talks about the teaching of kindness. It says the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And some people equate kindness with being nice. Um, So being a pleasant person, smiling, that sort of thing. But um, when we read in Galatians chapter 5, that kindness is a fruit of the spirit, that it is God produced. So could you describe the difference between being nice and being kind? Yes, I love the fact that you stressed that it is God produced. It is, um, it does not come naturally to our inner mm-hmm. self, right? In our sinful self. But as we grow in the spirit, as we walk with the spirit, we are able to be kind people. And I think it's interesting, uh, obviously nice and kind, those are English words in our Bibles were written, our New Testament was written in mostly Greek, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look through, and I actually Googled, I could not find the word nice in my English translation, but the word kindness in various mm-hmm. ways is written many times, right? Uh, being nice could be a cinnamon synonym for kindness, right? Uh, Kindness, there is an element of niceness to that at times, because like you said, being nice is to be pleasant and agreeable or even even polite. And those are all good things. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we have to be too hard on the word nice. But but words do matter. And how we use them does matter. And so I think sometimes we we use nice in terms of Describing a person that is too soft and um, isn't actually very truthful, they they tend to say what the listener wants to hear rather than what is actually good for that person. And so in this sense, uh, the nice person can be self-seeking rather than others-oriented. They don't want to offend the other person. And it's not so much about hurting the other person's feelings, but it's about not wanting to upset that person because they don't want that person to be upset with them. And so we have to be careful here. And uh, we don't want to judge nice people, people who are pleasant and who are polite. Like those are good qualities to have. And we want to be thankful for that. But I think more importantly, we want to be looking at our own heart and saying, when I am being nice, or if people think I'm a nice person, um, is it actually rooted in self? Is it rooted in fear, fear of what other people think of me? Am I actually being nice to glorify myself rather than glorifying God? Whereas, once again, if we go back to kindness, if we uh, want to grow and develop in kindness, we know that it is the fruit of the Spirit, as you all already mentioned. And so in order to be kind, we have to be connected to the Spirit, right? We have to be abiding in Him, listening to Him, allowing Him to convict us and to teach us. Mm-hmm. And um, and so someone who is kind, as in the sense of Um, a kindness that is God-produced, as you said, and spirit-led, we will do, the kind person will say things and do things that are right, not necessarily because they're easy, not because they're self-serving, but they are actually loving. And that means uh, we have to, to be kind, sometimes we have to warn people, Mm -hmm. warn people of pending judgment mm-hmm. or of of falling into sin, committing sin. And sometimes that comes across as harsh, but that's still the good thing to do, right? Um, when, we, when we think about um, 
some of the areas where people tend to be too nice. And I would say it's in a crisis pregnancy, right? Um, few people are actually willing to say, don't kill your baby, right? Like, I know this is hard. Mm-hmm. I know this is a surprise, but don't kill your mm-hmm. baby, right? They they try to direct them in that direction and they they care for the mother's emotional needs, but if you truly care for her emotional needs long term, you will warn her not to do this and you will tell her it's the wrong thing to do. Because in the long run, you're actually not caring for her emotional health if if you don't warn her that this is actual murder. And another one could be just accepting and loving someone who um, is transitioning into another gender. We know that God has made two genders. God has made men and he has made women. And certainly anyone who is thinking about transitioning or acting like the opposite gender, obviously there's a lot of hurt going on in that person's life. And we want to take care of that person's emotional baggage and confusion and speak truth into their lives. But truth doesn't mean affirming how they feel, but saying We care about how you feel, but to help clear up your confusion, let's just go back to biology. Let's go back to creation. And you need to live in accordance with how God created you instead of confusing it by by living however you want, right? We have to go back to that truth. And in the long run, we want to be people who are kind, not just in the moment, but in in the sense that it's going to help them long term and we can say it in a nice way but we still have to speak truth right and and so those are just some thoughts that I have and uh, even as parents right there's times when we we have to discipline our children and that's hard our kids start crying or they they stomp off to their rooms and they're upset with us for a while and that doesn't feel good but if we love them we will discipline Mm -hmm. them uh, in an appropriate manner so that we can correct their behavior so that in the long run, they learn to be submissive to authority. They learn to be obedient to God and they learn to be loving and truthful citizens in this world, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, it's often it's often easy to be kind to others when you go to church or mm-hmm. with your coworkers or with strangers. I think of even maybe people who got into an argument they're driving in a car and then they get pulled over and they're very sweet and kind to the police officer they can turn that off but I think the real test is if you are able to speak kindly to those who are closest to you how can we practice godly kindness when our flesh just wants to do the opposite yes well I think one of the first things we have to do is learn to love people that are closest to us. And that might sound kind of strange because if they are closest to us, doesn't that mean that we love them? I, I actually think sometimes we deceive ourselves or we excuse ourselves because they are closest to us. And so we feel like we can act however we want and get comfortable. But if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, we very clearly see what love is. Mm-hmm. And love does not get easily irritated. Mm-hmm. And um, and that means if we are easily annoyed, easily frustrated, very judgmental to our family members, maybe we're actually not loving them. 
maybe we're fooling ourselves and we're we're thinking that just because they're family, we love them. But if we're not loving them in accordance with 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, we actually don't love them. And, mm-hmm. and let's start with that. And that could be parents, right? Um, as their kids get into things and take up their time and ask them questions, they easily get annoyed and frustrated by that. And it's because they're looking out for themselves rather than mm-hmm. looking out for the best interest of their child. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, we've all been guilty. I'm sure we've all been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that. And I look back and I think, wow, if only I could change that, yeah. change that moment or whatever. And uh, and so we, we need to learn to love them more than we love ourselves. And so if you're struggling with this, then I think let's go to God and consider his love for us, how much he has loved us, and then ask him to help us to love our family members, those closest to us mm. more. And then secondly, we do do live in a world where we're still living with our sin nature and our sin nature will try to take over. And so some practical things, I think learning to pause and then to pray before we speak is a helpful thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you start feeling the blood boiling, maybe just don't say anything in the moment, Mm. pause, pray so that you can say the right thing. And then be willing to change your tone midway through if you catch yourself midway through a sentence or through a conversation and um, change your tone in that moment, right? You, c- you can do that. And, and then I'll just mention this again. We already talked about this, but watch your heart. Don't let bitterness build up because if you are building in bitterness, you will be more likely to be easily annoyed and angry and harsh with your loved ones. And then pray for them, right? There, there's times when we have family members, whether it's parents or siblings or children or a husband, and we've talked to them about certain things and they just haven't changed yet. It's not necessarily like a big issue where you need to, you know, confront them and bring it to the church and, and, and that kind of thing. But it's it's a little frustration and it's a, a character issue that they haven't changed and it, it's frustrating you. Once again, pray for that person, right? You've done your part in trying to communicate with them and try to help them change. If they're not changing, pray. Mm-hmm. And um, and then another practical tip is to communicate the tough stuff in person at the right time. So pick a good time to do that when you're in a good mental, emotional state. Don't text your problems to each other, right? Mm. It's interesting how many married couples, when they get into an argument, they start texting each other. Mm -hmm. And that is just not a good communication style or conflict management. Uh, You're going to make things worse because you, you, first of all, they can't see your tone of voice. They can't see your facial expressions. They can't see whether you're hurting or angry or loving or gentle. It's just words. Mm -hmm. And and once we've typed it out and sent, hit send, it's there. Yeah. And our text messages can be so, so harsh, so cold. And uh, we can be so quick to just jump on things and say things that we mm-hmm. wouldn't actually say if we we're saying in person. So mm-hmm. do not communicate conflict over text. And um, 
And then I also just wanted to mention once again, I know you mentioned it at the beginning, but if you are struggling with a lot of anger, I would once again, just encourage you to listen to that last Leadership Now podcast, Mm -hmm. The Deadly Sin of Wrath. I think uh, it'll be very beneficial for you to help you to overcome that. Awesome. As you were speaking, it just reminded me of the verse, James 1, 19 to 20. It says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So thank you, Susie. And ladies, let's be encouraged to use our words well. Thank you for listening today. And join us again as we continue to rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up. Mm-hmm.